When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to react and discuss day number seven of San Francisco 49ers training camp. Again, we are brought to you by SeatGeek. Use our promo code 49ersAccess, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off. And today we are going to dive into obviously the quarterbacks. We'll save them for later. But there is actually a lot of good things happening at training camp today. Uh, a lot of young stars getting opportunity against veteran players. Um, Trent Williams didn't practice. Nick Bosa, obviously not there, still wanting that contract extension. Uh, Christian McCaffrey didn't practice. Drake Greenlaw didn't practice. Deshaun Gibson didn't practice. Uh, four of those five players getting veteran days off. So it was a chance for young players to prove themselves and show to the coaching staff and other players around them what they can do on the field. And some of them did so, some of them did not. Uh, there weren't many who did not, I will add to that. <laughs> um, but before we dive into what happened on the field today, a lot of injuries. The injury bug has finally hit San Francisco, and uh, some of them are surprising. Some of them are pretty big. Some of them are kind of a, uh, a missed... Uh, Mist of of, of catastrophe. <laughs> I can't even talk. It was so crazy today. Um, but the first injury we have to talk about is Jalen Moore, who again we talked about last night that or two nights ago, excuse me, that the injury wasn't that severe. Um, it got carted off, but it seemed like it was only a bone bruise. He he missed you know, having a torn ACL or it being this you know season-ending injury or you know weeks out of the season injury for Jalen Moore. He was seen doing some light stretching on the side of practice today alongside players like Kalia Davis, who has a hamstring injury, and Robert Beal Jr., who still, we have no idea what's happening with him, but he's not practicing. Uh, other injury news, Aaron Banks in concussion protocol. Uh, again, that one shouldn't take very long. Give it a few days. Um, he's probably not going to play in the first preseason game anyways, so why rush him back or even risk it, uh, which makes sense. Uh, Daryl Luter Jr., Still on the pup list, working on the side. Again, hasn't seen one day of training camp thus far. Hoping to get him back soon, though. Austin Bryant, uh, he was seen with the helmet on and a jersey on, but no pads doing drills on the side today as well. So not exactly sure what's happening with him, uh, but it doesn't seem like it's going to you know be much longer till he's back on the field. But the big injury that I think has many fans talking on Twitter or on their podcasts, or with their friends, is Elijah Mitchell once again is injured. We discussed throughout OTAs, he was hurt then, he was hurt last year, he was hurt two years ago. Elijah Mitchell 
is a good player. A really good player when healthy. He is someone you can point to and say he runs really aggressive. He seeks out the physical of attacking a defender. Um, he wants to hit somebody. And with that comes injury. Um, my only concern is that you can't make contact in OTAs. He got hurt in OTAs earlier this year. And you can't really make contact in training camp. And he got hurt in training camp around this time last year and missed, I believe, week one or close to week one of the NFL season. And then he's hurt again now where, again, you can't make contact. Uh, so I am worried about him. Uh, we discussed back in OTAs and minicamp that with Mitchell's injury history that he can go down any day and that could be an opportunity for someone like Jordan Mason or Ty Davis Price or the undrafted guys like Ronald A. Watt or Kalen LeBorn, and all four of those guys got an opportunity today, and I am proud to say all four of them really did show um, promise. Uh, Mitchell having an inductor injury going to be out for a week, uh, I, I would assume that means he's going to likely miss the first preseason game against Las Vegas, and if that's the case, they're going to have you know, a handful of practices here in Santa Clara, then a handful in Las Vegas during joint practices with the Raiders, and they might even get one, if not two, preseason games for TDP and Mason LeBorn and, and Awat to prove themselves. And I'll just say this. Uh, we know Chris McCaffrey's great, but behind him is very much unproven, or it's very, or, or it's someone like Mitchell who has a lot of injuries. And if that's the case, you have two young guys in TDP and Mason who, again, are very unproven, but have high potential, they are ready and have worked very hard to jump Elijah Mitchell on this depth chart. Uh, and we've seen the work TDP's put in. We'll talk about him a, a little later. But Jordan Mason's had a pretty good camp, a rather consistent camp. Fumble issues early, but those have kind of gone away as camp has progressed. And so when I sit here and I look at the running back room, it's Christian McCaffrey and just everybody else back there. Um, there are four guys in that room I think Kyle Shanahan believes in. But the bigger question is, can they do it come a preseason game, and then can they do it come a regular season game? And for Elijah Mitchell, him needing to prove what he can do on the field isn't the issue, it's the health. And once again, he's hurt. Uh, I'm very concerned for him, simply because if you aren't on the field, you are essentially worthless. And I don't mean that as a, as a person, but as a player, uh, your best ability is your availability, and Elijah Mitchell has not been available for a large portion of the past two seasons, or if not the actual regular season games, a lot of the offseason. Now, is, is Elijah Mitchell somebody who can miss a lot of time and still get reps in games? Of course. Uh, he's someone who Kyle Shanahan believes in. He was this team's starting running back uh, throughout the second half of 2021 outside of Debo Samuel. So he, this really isn't a concern or a, a worry of would Mitchell you know get cut it's more of, this is an opportunity for someone like Ty Davis Price, who's had a really good camp. Someone like Jordan Mason, who's kind of been chomping at the bit for a full season now to get reps at the the number two running back position. Um, he got a taste last year, but he wants those consistently. This is their opportunity to go grab those. So Mitchell out for a week. Jalen Moore is going to be back in a few days. Uh, Kalia Davis, Bill Jr. working back from injuries as well. And again... 
right now I count one, two, three, four, five, six injuries, and that's not even counting Terrence uh, Mitchell, who's put on season-ending IR today. So six injuries, well, that's seven injuries that have already hit San Francisco currently, and Nick Bosa isn't in the building yet. Uh, so a lot, a lot happening off the field or during the pre-practice portion of today's training camp. Uh, but let's dive into some observations I had today. No high or lows today because there really wasn't enough lows to discuss. There really haven't been many lows throughout the entirety of the week, which is really good. I'm not complaining about that. Um, so more so observations today. Keep your eye on certain things, things that I've seen, things that I've heard, things I want to bring you uh, since I've been there every single day, having been there today. Uh, here's some insight that I have. Uh, Cameron Latu. I am on the record calling him vanilla. <laughs> I'm on the record not liking the pick. I have said multiple times I didn't understand him being drafted here to San Francisco, but with that being said, I was always open to giving him time to find his footing in the NFL. Uh, we, know, we now know he is a defensive player at heart, and he was transitioned over in his final year at, 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 at Alabama, excuse me, Jesus, I cannot talk today. Um, and so for him, it's going to take time. But I have noticed, and I have talked to people down there, and who've also noticed this too, that there seems to be this kind of nonchalant attitude to what or, or how he carries himself. Now, I'm not judging that, um, but I can only... I can only look at how you are showing yourself. Uh, my perception of someone is only what they are going to show me. Um, you only know me by how I show myself to you. So your perception of me might be different than how I actually am, right? And so for Cameron Latu, who I don't know personally, uh, what he has shown has been very nonchalant in regards to, like today, uh, didn't finish a route and just kind of smacked the ball out of the air uh, during uh, just kind of warm-ups. Uh, a couple days ago, you can tell whether it was a quarterback or it was a coach trying to get him to wake up on the sideline and kind of throw him a football. He kind of just moved and let it go by him, and you could tell there was this nonchalant attitude towards play. And, and I'm not trying to criticize him being even-keeled or just not being very emotional. That's fine. A lot of men are not emotional creatures, or at least outwardly emotional, and so I'm not trying to criticize him as a person. But when you see and hear... You know, veterans on this team, coaches saying, you know, sprint on and off the field. Give 110% every single time. Uh, if you want to play, you have to work your butt off in the offseason and throughout every single practice, and we haven't really seen that. And for a young player like Cameron Latu, who's trying to prove himself and, to a lesser extent, prove the third-round label is worth, you know, being next to his name, uh, I haven't seen that just yet. He had a nice catch today. Um, the route running is there. Like, the route running is not the issue for me. Uh, it's the hands. And, again, this nonchalant attitude, which I can't... Again, I can't judge him for that, but that compared or or combined with the drops he had today and over the course of training camp and OTAs, like, I, I look at him and I say, like, are you going to make this team? Should you make this team? And right now, I have him below guys like Dwelly. Guys like Warner. Now, he's going to be a blocking tight end primarily or a red zone target. So again, it's only one aspect of the game. But when you're giving up on reps, 
when you are dropping passes when nobody's around you in warmups. It just gives off this idea that you don't care, and I don't think that's the case, but that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a tight end who has come in, third round pick, who doesn't have, you know, high potential, who is very raw in his capabilities right now, and the effort isn't there just yet. Uh, But to flip that, uh, someone who has a lot of effort, somebody who has shown that he wants to fight for every single rep, who wants to, you know, get physically and outwardly angry during a play where he messes up, is Jack Coletto. Uh, Earlier this week on Tuesday, he had a touchdown pass from Trey Lance, and today, even got a fullback run because Kyle Juszczyk wasn't taking part in uh, a lot of the team drills today. And so Jack Coletto got plenty of run being that second string fullback with the second and third teams. And again, touchdown a couple days ago, uh, got a rushing attempt today on a short yardage play for a first down. So those are good signs. But again, when you're a young player and the media doesn't know you, um, they will find little things that they notice during a play, whether it's how you react to a play, um, your effort during a play like Cam Latu. Jack Coletto today, he got he blew a blocking assignment and you could audibly hear him clapping and yelling at himself because he knew he messed up. And for someone like Coletto, who I think this team believes in, um, now that may be in a year or two to you know replace Kyle Juszczyk, but I think they want him to make this team as that Swiss Army knife guy who can play fullback tight end um, in a pinch, special teams, and, and maybe even linebacker because he has experience there. Uh, but to hear the audible anger out of him, uh, I like that because it shows he's angry. It shows he's getting mad. Um, and so to see the effort, to see the aggression, it's like, good, get mad. You messed up. Let me see your emotions. And again, well, you don't see that from Cam Lotto and you see it from Coletto, you question, okay, like, where is your effort level at? And when you hear and see something, while it doesn't tell the entire story, you tend to lean to favoring that player who is showing the outward effort, which has been Jack Coletto. I'm going in the chat for a second. Twin Empire, what's going on? Man is talking Niners coming back from training camp day seven today. Hope you're enjoying the broadcast and the live feed on Twitter or YouTube. Um, diving back into what actually happened at training camp today. Uh, Ambry Thomas, who has got uh, a ton of first-team reps today, continues to do so. Uh, Mooney Ward has been limited with an injury. Uh, He's been on the field the the past few days in practice, Uh, but Ambry Thomas has got a lot of first-team reps during training camp. Uh, Him and Brandon Ayuk have been must-watch TV. I said that a couple days ago. Uh, Same was as today. But for Ambry Thomas, I think even Kyle Shanahan today talked about this that you can tell the preparation is much better. He's physically in better shape. He's mentally more prepared every single snap. And coming from 2021, playing in big games down the stretch, must-win games down the stretch, uh, he was supposed to be a part of this team. and Or at least last year, part of the team, and where this team was in the secondary. And he wasn't. He faltered. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, he was almost cut last year. And to hear Kyle Shanahan and even Steve Volks and other players talk about how he is, he's got himself back straight and that he's finally figured this thing out, at least mentally, in how to prepare. Um, he's grinding every single rep, every single day at practice. He's hustling. Um, you can tell he's motivated to kind of prove himself once again. Um, that continues. Um, I know many fans point to, like Twin Empire just now, he's getting cooked. Um, I would say there's a fine line with getting cooked when it comes to Ambry Thomas and most cornerbacks because when you're going against Brandon Ayuk, like Ambry Thomas is not on the level of guarding Brandon Ayuk. But when you're doing that and you're getting cooked or you're getting beat, you can still learn from that. And it's it's one of these things that happened on Tuesday where he got beat by Brandon Ayuk. And right afterwards, Steve Wilkes rushes over, talks to him, coaches him up, and tells him to get back out there. Like, it's stuff like that where they are kind of reaffirming their belief in Ambry Thomas, even if he does struggle. Testing him when he plays against Ayuk or he plays against Diego Samuel. Like, they want him to make this roster. They believe in him or are at least trying to find out who he is as a player mentally and if they can work with him physically. And I think they like him mentally because everyone's talking about how much they do. And if he continues to improve... Uh, against Ayuk and against Debo, like there are good things that I can pick out of Amory Thomas's play and say, "Wow, he's improved here." Um, there's good signs there, and I think for Amory Thomas, getting first team reps and, and the sky isn't the limit, uh, but it's certainly a lot higher than it has been the past two years for him. I'm keeping it moving here, uh, and kind of on the Twin Empires question here is that the offensive line. Um, Trent Williams didn't practice today. Uh, he had a vet day. Aaron Banks concussion protocol. Uh, and so a lot of young guys uh, got reps. Jason Poe, second team, looked really good. Held his own. Um, for a guy who was a kind of a fullback, was a center in college, and kind of trying to find where he fits on the offensive line in the NFL, for him to get second team reps and play well, that's going to instill confidence in the coaching staff. Even guys like Leroy Watson whether this team is already down to their third string left tackle um, and being a tight end convert to left tackle, um, he fared really well today against the first team defensive line. Now, mind you, Nick Bosa isn't out there, so you know, he's not going against the reigning defensive player of the year, but against Farrell and Jackson, guys who have beaten Jalen Moore and Colton McKivitz at certain times this year. Watson played pretty well. Um, there was one play, I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but Watson was kind of pushed behind the center by Javon Kinlaw. Um, it was kind of a weird play, and you just kind of sat back and said, how the heck did that happen? But one play out of, I don't know, the 20 or 30 reps he got today is pretty darn good to not notice the offensive lineman, because uh, most of us point to, well, that was a bad rep because there was a sack. Um, there wasn't any of those today. From the offensive line. It was good stuff to see from guys like Poe and Leroy Watson. 
Um, more young guys proving themselves. D. Winters almost had a pick Tuesday. Um, got one today against Trey Lance. Um, he was kind of backing up in coverage on a high-low uh, play on the offense. Kind of found himself in the in-between place and in the pocket or in the bubble of the defense. Um, and if the ball was thrown right to him, but right place at the right time, right? Uh, that's how young players get their playing time for a lot of teams out there. Um, a ball's tipped right into your, a ball gets tipped right into your hands. Catch it. You'll get more reps, right? If you can, you'll make yourself noticeable. If you can do something that stands out, like D. Winters has the past two days, you are going to be talked about. You are going to be, you know, discussed in meetings in the media, and it's already happening in the past two days. Winters has been talked about by people like myself and people in the athletic or NBC Sports. He's finally getting a, a small sample size of recognition here, and he deserves it. Um, again, more young players. Uh, Marcelino McCrary Ball. Again, uh, he's been a, quite the standout. I think for most, he was going to make the roster as that fourth string linebacker, or at least going to fight for the fifth linebacker on this team. Um, he was getting first team reps today next to Fred Warner and Oren Burks. Um, Dre Greenlaw had the vet day, so McCray Ball got a lot of first team reps today. Um, and two plays stood out to me where I said, wow, um, he's quick, he's fast, and he's learning. And there was one play, a running play, TDP trying to break to the outside. Um, he uh, he just jumped towards the edge, contained it, and TDP didn't go anywhere. It was a great, smart play from a young linebacker trying to prove himself. Even someone, like on a screen pass, uh, Charlie Warner caught a screen pass today. And at a certain point, McCray Ball kind of got him close to him, he arm tackled him, then bundled him up. Even picked him up for a second. Like, McCray Ball has this aggressive style of play they like in San Francisco. Um, he's probably going to make this team barring an injury. Um, but, like, he's making a statement almost every single practice. He is showing out and showing that the potential is really high. And for someone who I think is expected to replace Aziz Alshire, uh, he's proving that. Now... Ashire was really good the past couple years, right? And so it's going to be hard to do that. Um, but I do have high expectations for McCurry Ball right now because he's shown it so often in practice. Um, rookie safety Jair Brown, he hasn't been talked about much. Uh, many of us just don't. <laughs> like, he hasn't done anything. Um, his biggest highlight thus far has been said, not seen. And what I mean by that is when you hear Brandon Ayuk say in OTAs and minicamp that, oh, I think we have, he has seven picks thus far. He hasn't had one when the media has been there. Again, that does not mean it didn't happen. But you have to see things sometimes to believe certain things. And the potential's there. The ability to get picks and turnovers is there. It happened in college. The question is, can that carry over? Um, but one thing I have noticed, and one thing that was echoed today in the press conferences with Mooney Ward, was that he plays faster than his tape would show. But what I mean by that is his reaction time is just a snap of the finger. Um, when he uses his instincts, my goodness, he is fast to the ball. And there was a play today where um, it was just kind of a small screen pass... And it was like, boom, he's right in front of the, 
the receiver. And had it actually been a preseason game or a regular season game, uh, he would have killed him. <laughs> he was right there really fast. And I believe Brad Graham said there was a play where he was in the backfield. I trust Brad to do his job correctly and and not give you incorrect information on Twitter and in, in his live stream. So I'll trust Brad on that. But uh, Jair Brown, you can tell once the pads come on, he is going to show more than what he's done in practice thus far. Um, whether it's with second team or third team or even first team, which he hasn't gotten much of recently, uh, you can tell Jair Brown is some is, is a player that doesn't practice very well, but when the lights come on and it's an opposing team like the Raiders or like the Rams or even Pittsburgh Week 1, uh, he is going to show out in some way. Whether it's one play, uh, he is going to make you know, his name known because he wants to hit guys hard and he plays so fast. The reaction time, again, is just split second. Snap of your fingers, he's at the ball. Um, and I love seeing that stuff. That creates playmakers on defense, and he has that potential. Two more young guys, and then we'll get to the quarterbacks. Uh, Danny Gray and Ty Davis-Price talked plenty about TDP uh, throughout the entirety of training camp, including today, <laughs> actually. Um, but both these guys, Gray and TDP, uh, I think I want to give them kind of a, a shout-out because... They deserve a ton of credit uh, for the performances they've put together thus far. A long way to go, um, ton to still prove. We're only in training camp and practices still, but it was evident, and it still is evident, that they were not going to let their minimal play last year affect their growth, and they both put in the extra work to prove themselves and to put them in positions to succeed this year. And so for Danny Gray and TDP to see them constantly, you know, on the positive side of things, whether it's, it's a big catch or it's a big run or it's, you know, a, you know some yak or showing off their speed or getting through their cuts and their field vision, like they are really a, not a surprise, but they really are, you know, a very positive note uh, to put next to their name every single time they're out there. Um, and, and look, let's be honest here. It's good to see a young player's uh, performance. Good Good to see a young player who's put in the work to see it actually pay off for them. That's happening with Danny Gray and TDP. Um, again, they're young, so much to prove, but we are seeing it day in, day out. The work they put in is actually paying off. And it's really nice to see for young players who could play a big role on this offense. Um, maybe not this year, Although I do think with Mitchell being hurt now, TDP has that opportunity. But for Danny Gray, if they can't extend Brandon Ayuk, I mean, he might become the de facto receiver number two. And any reps he gets, any improvement he makes, um, could make them feel more comfortable getting rid of Ayuk or letting him walk or at least giving someone like Danny Gray a chance to be the, the receiver number two across from Debo Samuel next year. Again, that's a long ways away, but... Keep that in the back of your mind. Like Those things are definitely possible to happen, but young players showing off and you're actually seeing the work they put in payoff is always a great thing. But let's dive in to the quarterbacks. You want to talk about them. I love talking about them. And before we do, though, again, use that promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off. Okay, quarterbacks. Who should we start with? Let's start with Brandon Allen. 
he got no reps today. He got reps in drills, but not team drills. He got reps in warm-ups, but not short-yarded stuff. He was throwing the ball throughout the entirety of practice, but got no team drills. Um, was not involved in move-the-ball drills, so you can put a big fat egg next to his name. Um, Kyle Shanahan said there's nothing to worry about, no news. as the reason why that happened. It was more so because it was a lighter practice today, didn't have enough reps, and so many guys were out. Um, there really wasn't a spot for him. So for all of you, you know, why is Brandon Allen getting so many reps? He got zero today. He got absolutely zero today. Um, but we have to talk about who actually played. That's Brock Purdy. That's Sam Darnold. And the social media darling, Trey Lance. So let's talk about the three quarterbacks that actually played. And the three quarterbacks who are fighting for not quarterback one, but two of them fighting for quarterback number two. So what did Brock Purdy do today? Uh, I think, and it's funny too, because he wasn't supposed to practice today. Um, usually it's two days on, then a two-day off thing, and it's been confusing because the reason why so many people reported earlier that he wasn't going to practice, and he did practice, I think is because the way Kyle Shanahan has talked about it, where he said early, three days on, one day off. Then we got to training camp one day, and, and then he was having a second day off. And he was asked what's happening, and he said, no, it's two days on, two days off. So there's been some weird miscommunication with what's happening with his, you know, scheduling with how, how he's throwing in his throwing program and what days he is throwing, which day he's not throwing. Um, but I believe it's still two days on, two days off. Um, but today it was kind of a weird off day where they, I think they didn't want to give him, like they didn't practice at all yesterday. I think they wanted him back out there. He'll practice tomorrow, that being August 4th, but he won't practice on Saturday. Um, or Yeah, won't practice on Saturday. Then there is no practice on Sunday. And so again, it really is really confusing as to what they are saying his throwing program is. But despite that, he practiced today. What did he do? Um, I think Brock Purdy was the best quarterback on the field today. Um, I think throughout training camp, there was the initial rust. I think there's still some concerns. I'll dive into that in, in a second here. But I think he was the best quarterback on the field today. Um, I think we've seen him progress in every single practice. It seems like he gets better in a certain area. Um, he's still working his way back. But he does seem to raise his game as he continues to work his way back. It was a really good practice today. Um, I think this week has been very productive for him. As the team's starting quarterback, I think, you know, we are starting to kind of see him ramp back up to where he was last year, but things do take time. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I've seen many people on Twitter who have been at practices, who have been at training camp, who are making statements that aren't exactly true, partially true, mind you, but aren't exactly true. And that comes with the idea of that Brock Purdy isn't 100% healthy. Um, I would agree with that. I have said that I believe Brock Purdy's 85% healthy. But what I mean by that, and I've explained that here before and I'll do it again, that whenever you hurt your arm, I've done it before. People who have done it before will tell you the same thing. It's not a one-month process. It's a two, three-month process. 
Um, it takes time. Brock Purdy's been throwing for roughly two months. Um, and by the end of this month, it should be week one, or next month, excuse me. By September, that first week in September, it should be around three months of throwing. Um, a month of, you know, getting reps against the live defense, getting reps against, you know, with Brandon Ayuk and building the chemistry back up. Um, but I do think for him, while he isn't 100%, I don't want it to get twisted and, and, and people think that they're rushing him back out there. They're not. He's healthy enough to practice. He's healthy enough to be unlimited or unrestricted in his throwing while he practices. They're taking things slow with him. That being said, when you're 85%, you still have to stretch out your arm to get back to 100%. And by the end of this month, come week one against Pittsburgh, the expectation is he will be there if not before so. And so when you talk about him not being 100%, he is not 100%. 85, 90%. He's still going through that process to stretch his arm back out. He's not going to throw 70 yards downfield, 60 yards downfield, 50 yards, maybe. <laughs> Did it today, right? And so I do think that there is still this process of I have to you know, getting my arm back to where it was last year, it's not there just yet, but it's inching closer every single day, and we can see that. But with that said, there are some concerns with Brock Purdy currently. Um, and what I mean by concern is the fact that, you know, it will go away come week one, or at least it should. It's supposed to go away week one of the NFL season. His first play of practice today of team drills he overthrew Debo Samuel to the right sideline he was open you gotta hit that Trey Lance had a very similar throw later in camp and you go yep that's a great throw um and it was to Tay Martin and you point to it and say Trey Lance great job Brock Purdy you were inaccurate you missed your guy you gotta hit him um and one thing I've noticed throughout 1v1s and team drills and red zone drills Brock Purdy has a hard time getting the ball to the sideline accurately, albeit in very limited examples. Um, the sample size is very small. Uh, they don't practice, you know, you throw it to the left sideline, then the right. They don't do that very often. It's not like they're practicing sideline to sideline throws. They don't do that stuff in practice. But when it's happened, the ball has been inaccurate a majority of the time. <laughs> um... And so for Brock Purdy, uh, that is a concern of mine that right now, where fans are at practice, they're going to criticize him more often than not, that they're going to see that, like I have seen it, and said, wow, he can't do this. I'm already seeing it today. Um, but I have to question and say, well, he's two months into a throwing program, and he isn't 100% yet. When he's 100%, he will make that throw. Now... If he isn't 100% and he's missing throw those throws, then maybe he shouldn't be starting. But by the time training camp's over and the preseason's over, he's supposed to be there and should be there. Um, but right now, at this moment, he's not there yet. He's missing and is inaccurate towards the sidelines. Um, and so that's one area of concern, but where that you know kind of is a red flag, or at least maybe a, a caution flag, you, you might say... Um, 
he was also really good today. <laughs> like, like he had really, a really good practice. And he had four throws after that one throw that he missed to Debo, where he was four for four. He, he perfect on the money slant to Ayuk over the middle. A little screen pass to Mason. Those are easy to make, right? But then there were two plays back to back where he stepped up in the pocket, continues to show that pocket presence. He hasn't lost that whatsoever. Found Ayuk in the flat. Then found Jennings for a 20-yard uh, catch down the field. Like, where Brock Purdy lacks in maybe arm strength currently, he makes up for in the middle uh, to Brandon Ayuk or 20 yards down the field to Jawan Jennings. Like, Brock Purdy, again, even though he's working himself back to full health, he's still really good. <laughs> like, I don't want that to be missed. He's still really good. Uh, and he was really good today. Um, shout out CG Ruthless in the chat. Thanks for joining on. Was on his podcast or on his show uh, yesterday or uh, two days ago, I believe. Talking Niners, talking training camp. Good to have you in the chat. Really appreciate you hopping in and watching the stream. Um, but going back to Purdy, uh, he was really good today. I, I think the move the ball drills is where maybe certain fans will point to and say he wasn't as good. Or maybe you might see reports of him struggling. Um because the numbers would say so or indicate that. Um, he technically was one for three. Um, he should have been two for three. Um, his first play was definitely his fault. There was a false start on the quarterback. Um, he leaned back too soon uh, prior to the snap, causing a fumble, but it was a false start, so it wasn't a fumble. Uh, but that's a bad play on him. Gotta get, you gotta figure that out. Like, that can happen come game time, obviously. He knows that, we know that, they know that. Um, then... There was an incomplete crosser to Ayuk over the middle, but Lenore had good coverage on him. Uh, it was just out of reach of Ayuk, but again, good coverage by Lenore. Then there was a play where he had pressure in his face, found Mason for the dump off. Mason fought for a first down. That got them reset on downs. Then later, uh, he found Brandon Ayuk on what should have been a large game of about 15, 20 yards on a crosser, uh, but that was called back for... Um, for a false start by Charlie Warner. So, it's a mixed bag of, eh, there was some not so great there, a false start, can't do that stuff. Um, inaccurate to Ayuka over the middle of the field. But then later, first down to Mason, resets things. Then you have a first down, but your teammates let you down. So, I think overall it was a great day, or a really good day for Brock Purdy. Um, there was one play I do want to discuss about him. Um, ironically, Another target to Debo Samuel. Um, there was a a go ball, a go ball down the field to Debo Samuel, and Brock Purdy underthrew the ball to Debo. And I know Middlecoff and Guy Haberman talked about this. That Greg Papa had said that they don't want those the, they want those balls to be contested because they want the one v one with the receiver and cornerback. They want them to fight for the football. Um, I don't understand that, but with that being said, that doesn't mean Purdy shouldn't have put that ball in a better place. Um, it was too low coming out of his hand, needed to arc over the defender a little more and give it to Debo in a much better position to actually catch the football. Um, I think Debo didn't really do much <laughs> to go get the ball. I mean, it, to, to Wilmack's credit, it was good coverage, but bad ball placement... Um, kind of a, a shorter throw on Purdy's behalf 
that led to a turnover on downs. Uh, not the best performance on that one throw, but overall I think it was a really good day by Brock Purdy over the middle of the field. We've talked plenty of times here, many of you know out there, that if you can manage the middle of the field, you're going to be just fine in the offense. And with Purdy, knowing he's recovering, you will give him some slack on the outside as he builds that arm strength back up. Uh, Niner Fanatic Podcast, thank you for joining in. What's going on? Hope you're doing well. Um, Again, if you're watching on YouTube or Twitter, thank you for joining us right now. Thank you. Uh, for listening and joining on, on, on the stream currently. I'm diving back into what actually happened on the field today. Sam Darnold got the first round with the second team uh, today at training camp, and it was a lot of dink and dunk early. A lot of screen passes, lot dump-offs to running backs. Um, wasn't the most explosive I've seen him play, and was kind of a methodical, slow-paced offense for him. Um, a couple of comebackers, Ty, you can Ronnie Bell, um, and really was kind of a slow, again, I'll say it this way. For those of you who have seen Brock Purdy play and put up 35 points a game, for those of you that, you know, want Trey Lance to play and be this explosive go ball thrower who can run and he can pass for 75 yards, you would have hated watching Sam Darnold play today in his first go around with the second team. But he flipped that during move-the-ball drills. And I think he looked like the best quarterback on the field during this drill alone. He was 3-for-4. Um, no quarterback scored touchdowns, but he was the closest to doing so. Um, he found Danny Gray uh, for a really nice play. Uh, second layer of the defense, Gray went up and caught it. It was a great catch, fell to the ground about 20 yards through the air. Um, also found Cam Latu, 15 yards, with some yak afterwards on in, in, in some play action. Um, then he found Danny Gray again on some play action. And so, again, like he really did look good during move-the-ball drills. Um, but the one area in which he kind of faltered was dink and dunk stuff that was kind of weird and wasn't how the other, the other quarterbacks were playing. But then come move-the-ball drills, he picked things up, was more explosive, you can tell he felt more comfortable in the pocket and actually, you know, throwing the ball out to his receivers and tight ends. Um, but he may have got a little too happy or too excited because he had Braden Willis over the middle in the end zone for a touchdown and he overshot him. Um, that can't happen. You can't miss open free touchdowns. He did that. But with that still being said, um, he was the best quarterback in move the ball drills by far, in my opinion. Um, I think he was the worst quarterback on the field today, but I still think that he had a really good day at practice. Um, he was bad yesterday, or two days ago, excuse me, on Tuesday, but I think Sam Darnold has kind of found this even ground where he's going to be really good one day, not so great the next day, but when it's all said and done, he'll find himself somewhere on the positive side of things. Uh, when when the practice you know hits the the big buzzer where everything's over with, um, and outside of yesterday or Tuesday, excuse me again, uh, he's looked pretty good in practice. Whether it's red zone, move the ball drills, like Sam Darnold looks like a starting or at least a high tier backup quarterback behind Brock Purdy. Uh, but the one person you want to hear about, the one person I've saved till the end, so I can milk this podcast out for an hour and 15 minutes, however long this thing goes today, is Trey Lance. Um, this has been Trey Lance's 
best four practice stretch that I have seen. Uh, mind you, I've been covering the team since 2020, been at training camp since 2022. Uh, so last year and this year are my first two years being there. Um, I can't speak about his rookie season, um, so keep that in mind. I want to be honest with you here. <laughs> um, but I think this has been his best four-game practice that I have seen from him. Um, he looks confident. He looks unafraid to pull the trigger. Uh, he looks like a a very confident and competent quarterback the last four days. Again, he struggled early during training camp and a little bit during OTAs, but he has really picked things up as he's played. Um, and I think we're seeing that currently. We talked that, you know, was he going to come in today after an off day, after an off day and play the same? He did. Um, there was a certain point in today's practice where he was the best quarterback on the field. Um, during red zone drills kind of knocked him down a peg for me. But I can argue he had the best throws of the day. And we'll talk about those in a second here. But I just want to highlight Trey Lance has looked really good um, in, in the intermediate throws, which is where he struggled uh, past two years. Um, you can tell the mechanics are a lot or have, have improved a ton. And you can also tell that, you know, where as a rookie you're hesitant sometimes. You might find yourself being gun shy. He's not that anymore. Um, he really has shown he's grown as a player, um, also grown as a quarterback. We discussed last night in the in the mailback episode about how San Francisco has put him in a position where he's had five different quarterback coaches. And whose fault that is, it doesn't matter. But Trey Lance, through all of that, looks the best he ever has right now. Um, today, he threw a freaking seed to Willie Sneed Jr. over the middle um, and it could have been worse. It could have been bad, actually, because Braden Willis missed his block. It was kind of like, uh, uh, what do I do? And Lance just ignored the pressure, found Snead over the middle, and it was a great pass and a nice catch by Snead. Um, then he had an even better pass to Tay Martin, uh, lofted it over the, the linebacker in the second layer of the defense, found him towards the right sideline. It was a great throw. You can see it all over Twitter right now. Again, it was a really good throw. You can see the touch is starting to develop. Whereas when he first got here, he was throwing so freaking hard. Um, he kind of had that, that Kaepernick syndrome where early in Kaepernick's career, he was like, I have to throw it 90 miles an hour every single time. I have to throw as hard as I can every single time. And you can see Trey Lance kind of getting out of that now where, yes, there are times like throwing to, to, to Willie Sneed, I have to get it hard, firm, straight as fast as I can, boom, to his chest for a catch. Then for Tay Martin, the very next play, or, you know, two plays later, a nice touch throw over the defense, boom, first down. Things like that you're seeing growth from, and you have to kind of sit back and say, yes, like, there, there's progress being made here. Um, he had some mess-ups, I'm, I'm not going to ignore that. Um, he threw behind Braden Willis, too. Uh, Braden Willis may have been the biggest victim of bad quarterback play today. <laughs> he really might have been. Uh, could have had three, four catches, including a touchdown today, and quarterbacks just missed him. Um, Darnold missed him twice. Uh, Lance missed him once. And then, you know, Lance obviously bounced back. Uh, had a screen to Debo. Then found Ayuk sitting in the teeth of the defense for a nice play. Uh, again, 
during team drills, he looked really strong. He looked like, you know, this this big, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 200-pound quarterback. You go, oh my goodness. He looked like, you know, the prototype for a guy you want coming out of college. You can see, I can work with that. Um, he looked more refined in the past four days, including today during team drills. Like, seeing what Trey Lance has done... It's not been enough to beat Brock Purdy by any means, knowing the circumstances around Purdy, but it's promising. And I don't know how anybody has left, or if they have left practice, thinking negatively of Trey Lance. You just can't. Um, You can have questions, for sure. I question Brock Purdy. You can question Trey Lance. Um, That's fine. But the last four days, there's been so much good that the bad you can kind of shrug off and say, eh, He'll learn. And the example of that today is doing during move the ball drills, he was one for three. And his first throw was a interception right to D Winters. Now, to Lance's credit, or I guess to give more context, uh, Spencer Wage had a pressure right in front of his face, which may have forced the interception, but you can't make that throw. Kyle Shanahan did what I would do and say, you know, look, he called him a hooker, but <laughs> he didn't call Trey Lance a hooker. He called the defender a hooker, uh, not Trey Lance. But again, uh, he said that there was a hooker, and that being D. Winters in this case, and Trey Lance didn't see the hooker and, and should have taken the check down, didn't do that, and the hooker just was right in front of the football. It happens. It's football. A play like that will get expelled with reps. It's not like Trey Lance threw into double coverage or triple coverage or, you know, made this egregious read. There are plenty of quarterbacks in football that make that exact same read, but with reps over time, it gets eliminated from their plays. And I think with reps, that wouldn't happen. That's stuff where I can go, okay, I can excuse that. Because if you keep playing more, that's not going to happen, or at least it's going to happen less and less and less and less. And so for Trey Lance today, uh, one bad throw doesn't make up his entire practice. Um, And I think even the interception is something you can learn from and something you can point to and say that won't happen as long as he keeps playing. Um, And so I'm okay with that. That's a pick unlike Purdy's near pick or even the pick to Dre Greenlaw. That's a much, much worse pick from Purdy than Trey Lance's was today. Um, Purdy's was... There was a guy covered. There wasn't a hooker. <laughs> there was not a hooker finding or trying to, you know, get a dollar bill here or there, right? Um, again, with reps, that will go away. Um, but even later, he bounced back and, and he found Willis on a play-action rollout. Then to end his move-the-ball drill, um, not his fault. Had to get rid of the football. Wage and Hyder were in his face. So, an overall... Really good day from a lot of people. We talked about like 8 to 10 guys during the beginning of the podcast who stood out. TDP, Danny Gray, D. Winters, um, so many other guys. McCrary Ball, Jason Poe, uh, Leroy Watson. So many guys have stood out. The quarterbacks were really good today. This may have been, if not for Monday, I believe, may have been their best cumulative practice overall. Um, it wasn't flashy, there was a pick, but the throws they were making were crisp, the decisions they were making were good, um, there's a lot of positives 
to take away out of this week of mini camp and training camp, excuse me. Um, it's day seven. Trey Lance has had four really good days, um, or at least good days. That's over 50%. I think he, again, if you had to ask me, I think he's tied it back up with Darnold. Like, I think this thing is going to go down to the wire. There's so much time left, but this, the battle for quarterback two is going to come down to preseason live reps. That's what's going to happen. Um, and if you can prove yourself there against the Raiders um, in week one, and then leading up to week one versus Pittsburgh of the regular season, there's a lot of room for Trey Lance to continue to grow. But right now, he's playing really well. The best I've ever seen. I'm sure the best many others have ever seen. The confidence is at an all-time high. Um, and, and you can tell he's carrying himself with that confidence every single play. Um, Brock Purdy looked really good today. Sam Darnold pretty good today. Um, there's negatives. There always is. But it's how can the positives outweigh them. They have, for the most part, the past three or four practices on behalf of the quarterbacks. I like what I see from this team. They are, even the young guys, like, today had it been, you know, a bunch of touchdowns by the offense because Ayuk and Debo were all out there, and, or even vice versa. Had the defense gotten five sacks because the offensive line's all banged up, I would have said, that makes sense. Move on, watch the practice, and move on. Like, we'll see what happens when guys are healthy. Um, but today was kind of a mixed bag of young guys stepping up, veteran players playing their role, and quarterbacks delivering the football where it had to go. It was a good practice. Tomorrow's day eight. I'm really excited. We got Friday and Saturday and Monday still to go. Again, we are going to be there every single day doing this right here. Talking about it, debriefing about it, and diving into every single play that happened, every single thing that I saw, and what I heard at practice and training camp the next two to three days while they're here in Santa Clara. That being said, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We're almost towards the end training camp and mini camp, and we're getting an inching closer to preseason game number one. And to keep up with the updates of what's happening at camp as they're happening at training camp, Follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. 49ers dot access is the Instagram. That's where all the updates will be on social media. Use that promo code 49ers access 49 ERS ACCESS at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. You can also use our link in the description or above on the screen if you're watching on YouTube or Twitter at fanatics.com support the show and buy your Niners merch on top of that and help us out here help us continue to do what we like to do and talk about Niners with you that being said thank you for watching listening don't forget to leave a like leave a review my name is Sterling Bennett and until next time this has been the 49er Access Podcast and stay faithful